Well, welcome to our second Sunday of Easter, Christmas. Christmas, it's Christmas tide. It's our last Sunday celebrating Christmas together. And this is a great text from the lectionary. It's entitled it, The Little Book of Consolations. Let me give a little background before we read the text. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 7 to 14, is where we are going to house ourselves today and ask God to be a great consolation for us when there's darkness all around. Jeremiah the prophet was called when he was but a teenager. Many believe he was barely a teenager, maybe 11, 12, at the oldest, 13 years old. He was called by God to be the God's voice, God's spokesperson. Jeremiah spent an entire career, 40 years, tending to his sheep and flock, getting up every day, going outside, sharing God's Word with the people. He was a professional prophet, listened to God, shared what God said with the people. But here's the rub. The folks, the people of God really didn't want to hear what he was saying. They really didn't want to listen to him. In fact, they kind of scorned Jeremiah. They didn't like him. And let me tell you why. Israel as a nation had a newfound religious nationalism that really wasn't righteous as much as it was self-righteous. Israel's faith really wasn't faith in God at all. It was a self-satisfied kind of arrogance. We're the people of God. They looked down their nose at other folks, even while they were in captivity. And that self-satisfied arrogance and that unrighteous religious nationalism would ultimately lead to more harm for them in the long run than good. So the truth of the book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah was more in line with the Word of God spoken to the people. They didn't want to hear it. They kind of tuned him out, scorned him, laughed at him. Much of the book of Jeremiah is pretty dark. Yet in chapters 30 to 33, this is a bright spot. It's a bright light. Kind of like this stage. A lot like our world. There's a lot of darkness around us today. And yet, Emmanuel, God with us. And yet, Jeremiah the prophet speaks into our unrighteous systems. And even at times, our arrogance, and brings us a word from God. No wonder, after 40 years, Jeremiah was kind of depressed. <laughs> I mean, he was just called the depressed prophet. 52 chapters of a lot of darkness, yet the book of consolation. That's the context behind the words I'm going to read, because I'd like to read some good news in the midst of all that darkness. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 to 14. If you have your Bible, open it up, follow along as I read, and there will be a few lines that are really worth underlining because they are a bright spot in profound darkness. Not just individual darkness, but communal darkness and systems in conflict that bring about oppression and further darkness to God's creation for all humankind. Jeremiah 31, this is what the Lord says, sing with joy for Jacob, shout to the foremost of the nations. 
Make your praises heard and say, and this is a line to underline, Lord, save your people. Save your people. Anybody thinking that right now? Lord, save people. Save every pe- people everywhere. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return, and they'll come. Notice there's this kind of parade language, people returning. They'll come with weeping, and they'll pray as I bring them back. Another line to underline. I will lead them beside streams of water. Does that sound familiar? Psalm 23. On a level path, shoulder to shoulder, the playing field for all of humankind is leveled where they will not stumble. No one stumbles. Because I am Israel's parent, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. The one who scattered Israel, sent them all over the place, will gather them and will watch over the flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty, the bounty of the Lord. We don't talk like that. But the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, the young of the flocks and the herds. And there will be, they will be like a well-watered garden. And they will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. What an amazing parade. What a bright light in so much darkness. The God that scatters will gather, and it will be a gathering not just for the people of God, but for all people to experience the bounty, the blessings, the brightness of the benefits of Emmanuel, God with us. So in this text of darkness, we've got this bright spot, this book of consolations, and that's really good news. Because in the text that I just read, if you'll notice, God would not, under any circumstances, abandon God's people in their fickle state. It is Emmanuel time of year. After all, we're in Christmas tide, the second Sunday after Christmas. And we have to remember and never forget Emmanuel means God with us. But who is the us referring to? Is it just the people of God, Israel then, the church now? No. Emmanuel, God with us, means God is with all people, all humankind. Not just those that show up on a live stream on Sunday morning. As grateful as I am that that happens. But God is for all people. All of us. And it never fails. God never fails. And even though there are times when 
We get into hot water. God continues to return and return and return. I can remember the story told of a a young boy from the upper Midwest who spent a lot of cold winters freezing, snowbound, ice, shoveling snow, skating on ice rinks outside in sub-zero, sub-sub-sub-zero weather with wind chills up to 30, 40, even 50 degrees below zero. One year, his family decided over spring break to pack everything in the car and drive down to Florida to go to Disney World and play on the surf in the sand. The little boy was excited. He had never been to the beach before. No one in his family had. This was a road trip beyond all road trips, and they put everything in their car, and they, they headed south. A few days later, they arrived. And when they arrived, the sun was warm and hot. They had come from the frigid upper Midwest. They unpacked their car and checked into their hotel room and threw everything in the hotel room and put on their swimsuits and grabbed their little shovels and buckets, ran to the water to build sandcastles. They'd never done that before. Dipped their toes in the sand, feel the ocean water hitting them on their shins and their feet. And as the water rushed back out, the sand would erode from underneath their toes. They loved the feeling. And they began to build a city of sand castles. It took them a couple of hours and they finished. Then they went up to eat lunch and come back. And when they came back, they were dismayed because the tide had come up and destroyed all their hard work. And yet they took out their buckets and shovels and they began to create a city made of sand again. That story is endearing to me because it was me with my brothers and my mom and dad. I won't tell you what decade it was. It'll just make me feel bad. It was a few years ago. But that's the power of God in our midst. No matter what we make of our world, sometimes it crumbles and falls apart. And we're led into places we never really wanted to go. And yet God, God never abandons. He always walks with us. He moves into the neighborhood and helps us rebuild the sandcastle cities that we've created, rebuilding our lives. This text this morning, if you paid careful attention to it, is really about rebuilding the cities of sandcastles in our lives. This text is about returning to those cities after those cities have been destroyed and torn down. This text is about rebuilding our lives after these lives have been in distress and torn down by darkness. God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. No matter how fickle we are as people, God will always keep God's promises. This text is a homecoming text. It's a text not just for people we would see at Christmas time and Easter in a church building, but it's for all people, and especially those that we would not see in a church building or in your home on a Sunday morning anymore. This is a God who rebuilds the lives of everyone who feels a little beat up and torn up by life. 
If you'll notice some of the players in this parade, it's, it's interesting to me. They're the folks that have been, well, life has been difficult for them. And you can fill in the blank what that means for you. Jeremiah chapter 30 to 33, of which 31 is right in the heart of this little book of consolations. It's the bright spot in the entire book of Jeremiah. God gathers everyone, not just Israel, but God gathers all people in the text. God gathers people, notice, God sees people, God brings people, God saves people. And he brings them all back home and rebuilds the city of their lives, even after they've been sent into captivity in Babylon. This promise, this consolation is simple and very powerful. It's not just about individuals. Lynn did a great job leading into this text today. It's not just about rebuilding the lives of broken people, persons. It's about rebuilding the lives of all humankind. It's about the restoration and the forgiveness of sin for an individual person, but it's also about breaking down the barriers in systemic injustices that hold all people back. It's the taking of the red pill, which if you've seen the movie The Matrix, you know what that means. Later today, we will partake in a parade of the red pill. This text is less about individual redemption, check this out, and more about communal redemption. <laughs> communal redemption. Here's some questions I need to ask us on the threshold of stepping over the threshold of 2021. Who in our neighborhood doesn't sing with joy? Who in our neighborhood does not sing with joy? The text says that all people will sing with joy, not just the people of Israel, but even the foreigner that returns to Jerusalem after Babylonian captivity. So my friends, this is about communal salvation. Who in our neighborhood is not singing with joy? It's not a rhetorical question because the text doesn't allow it to be a rhetorical question. This is a literal question. Who's not singing with joy? Emmanuel stands with them, and we all parade together and return home. Friends, who in our neighborhood has been left behind? Because in this text, there isn't one single person left behind. This is a parade for all people. In this text, the losers are at least as important as the winners, if not more important. The people who have been pushed to the margins are just as important as those who have received the initial promise of God. In fact, this text seems to strongly suggest that those who are outside the promise of God 
are now further inside the promise of God than those who thought they were inside of the promise of God. That's a tongue twister. I'll say that ten times really fast. They, we, all are redeemed. You know, the word redeem in Jeremiah is only used two times. And this is one of those moments. It's only used twice. In this book of consolations, listen to these amazing one-liners that shine like the sun on a western Florida coast in the middle of a cold, dark, frigid winter. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Not just you, Israel, not just you, church people, even the Christer people, even the folks that would never walk inside of a church or tune in to watch this on a Sunday morning. God says, I love all people with an everlasting love. Chapter 31, 13 says, I will turn all of their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for their sorrow. 33, 15 says, in those days and at that time, check this one out, it's money, I will cause a branch to spring up from David and he will execute justice and righteousness in all the land. A bright spot, the book of consolation. My friends, no one gets left behind. What a great reminder that is, that there are no insiders and outsiders on the threshold of 2021. There are only people created in the image of God. And when God moves into the neighborhood, God's concerned about every single one of, you can say it with me, us. A few things for us to think about, church. In what ways is God refashioning PPC right now? How is God refashioning the church, repositioning the church? The church is opening itself up to the neighborhood, to all people, because God's moved in to the neighborhood, Emmanuel. That's Christmas. How about this question? What does biblical communal salvation look like and for whom is it directed? What does communal salvation look like? Doesn't that concept blow your mind? We usually think of personal salvation, my personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and that's important. Certainly, there's no doubt about it. I'm not devaluing that. But the gospel is more. It's building bridges over systems of injustice so that all people can walk down the center of Placentia on Christmas Day and have an amazing homecoming parade because God is Emmanuel and moved in to the neighborhood. I want to create a picture in your mind. I want you to think of your neighborhood right now. Would you do that? Think about your street. Notice who's on the street, who your neighbors are. Envision yourself driving around the block a few times and going a little bit further. Just get in your car or take a walk and begin to see who all the folks are around you. My friend, 
At Christmas time, Emmanuel moved into your neighborhood. Emmanuel is in your neighborhood. Not just for you, but for all of us. <laughs> it's the little book of consolation. It's what it's about. I mean, God moves into the neighborhood, comes into our midst and midst and buys a rambler or a townhouse or a condo or an apartment or a single family dwelling in your neighborhood. God's there. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. And Jesus is there for everyone because no one gets left behind. Communal salvation. One other thing I love to do as a boy, and it, it's just wonderful to think about. My brothers and I have spent a lot of time on the phone over the last couple of months. My folks aren't doing well, trying to figure out in the middle of a pandemic how to best care, you know, for them. It's been tough. It's been a lot of tears. But there's also been a lot of joy. We've shared stories. We've reconnected. We talked about highlights and even the lowlights of growing up together aren't so bad anymore. They're, they're bonding time for us, and they even have brought us more closer together. I can remember as a boy growing up in the suburb of Chicago when it'd come in the middle of the summer, it'd be time for a, a parade, and if we didn't have a baseball game going on, we'd load the car up with all of us, my two brothers, me, my mom and dad, and they'd throw their... 1960s, 70s lawn chairs in the back of the dark green Chevy station wagon. Remember those? We'd drive into town, find a place to park, and we'd be elbowing each other and punching each other and doing what little boys do, and my folks were trying to keep sane and take our lawn chairs, and my mom and dad would carry them and discipline us, and We'd find our place on the side of the street. My folks would set up their lawn chairs and right at the edge of the curb, and we'd sit right on the street and use the curb as kind of a backrest. We wanted to be right on the street. We wanted to be right on the street to see the parade go by. The old cars, the go-karts. <laughs> it was great times. Didn't really have floats then. Football team and cheerleaders and clowns. Actually, there was a competition. The only thing the three of us boys really cared about was who got the most candy. Great times. This text is a homecoming parade. This text sees people come from the north and the south and the east and the west. After the sandcastle of life has been eroded, they return to the city to rebuild. When they return to the city, it's not just for folks that don the doors of a church. It's for everybody. Because of Emmanuel. Eugene Peterson's wonderful line in great translation says, God moved in to the neighborhood. That's Christmas tide. That's mission. That's communal salvation. And I'm excited because I think PPC is really embracing in new ways. 
what it means to have a relationship with God as a person, but also how does a movement of God transform one's neighborhood when the systems all around us when the systems all around us land tend to be systems of waves that crash our sandcastle cities and yet and yet the book of consolation the bright spot God goes shoulder to shoulder with us and the person of Jesus Christ moves into the neighborhood to work with us to rebuild. That's the missional message of community development that PPC is endeavoring and engaging in more and more each year. May God bless you and your family this new 2021 And may you you be safe. Amen.